0: Praise God. Well, I'm having technical difficulties. That's okay. That's what happens when you preach off of iPads. God is good. Are you glad to be here this morning? Okay, half of y'all are glad to be here. Are you glad to be here this morning? Somebody nudge John over there. John, you glad to be here this morning? Yeah, all right, come on. So good, so good, so good. I, I, I'm glad to be here. I love being here. Uh, I love this house. I love these people. I was thinking this morning, I don't know why this came to my mind this morning, but I was thinking this morning how much I love you guys uh, about my family. I was thinking about my family, my family at home, my parents are are getting older, and and I, I know I need to spend time with them. And I was thinking about my brothers and sisters and all that, and I was thinking about this family. I was thinking how powerful this family has been to me, to have a church family, to have a connection, to have people in your life, and to know that if I needed you, you would be there. How many, how many love your church family? Come on, your church families would be there for you. And there's something powerful about that, something super powerful about that. All right, I'm going to get this fixed here in a minute. All right, let's try that. Um, Today I'm going to be talking just for, I'm not going to be very long, but I'm going to talk to you today about something that happened that was so powerful after the cross, after the resurrection. And I'm just going to start with a simple story that most of you know is uh, when we read the account of Mary coming to the tomb. And she's coming there before daylight, and she's uh, going to anoint the body of Christ. Uh, It was interesting when I began to do a little research about this, some of the different varied opinions about what time of day it was, and and did she really go there unprepared to roll away a stone? Because there was a question asked, who's going to roll away the stone? There was all these questions going on in her mind, and uh, I, I read these varied opinions about this, and I thought about this. I thought Mary went there because she had passion for him. Amen. Regardless of what the situation was going to be when she was there, she, she had this passion that she wanted, to, she wanted to anoint the body of Christ. And so she gets there, and you know the story that the stone is gone, rolled away, and Jesus is no longer in the tomb. And when the disciples heard this, then they come running to the tomb. They come, and they were uh, astonished to find that the grave was empty other than the folded grave clothes that were lying in the tomb. And we pick this up in John 20, in verse 8. Then the other disciples who had reached the tomb first went in, and after the one who looked, he believed. For until then, they had not understood the Scriptures prophesied that he was destined to rise from the dead. Puzzled, Peter and the other disciples left and went back to their home. They were still in this moment of, what just happened? What's going on here? Then Mary returns to the tomb and and when she gets there, she was, has this encounter with Jesus. And at first she thought it was an, an angel. And then she realized it was actually Jesus speaking to her. And, and she said, oh, hey, teacher, I, I, I know now. And, and she said, now I believe. I have experienced. I've encountered and I know that he's alive. And there were still some, though, that did not believe. And so that evening, the disciples, they gather in this place. And I think this is cool, too. They lock the door because they were fearful of the Jews. They got in this place like, okay, the body of Christ is gone. I don't really know what all is entailed in this fear, but I just started using my imagination a little bit that they get in this place and they think, the Jews are going to think we moved the body. They're going to think we come and got the body because it's been prophesied of the resurrection, and they're going to think we're trying to make that. So they lock the door. And then the next thing that happens is, is, as they got this door locked, Jesus appears, and he doesn't knock on the door. He just shows up in the room. How many does that make me a believer? How about y'all? Would y'all be a believer then? There would probably be a new door if I was in the room. Like, I'd make a door. But Jesus shows up in the room, and, and they're, they're, just, they're just blown away. And then John 20 and 24. One of the 12 wasn't present when Jesus appeared to them. It was Thomas, whose nickname was Twin. So the disciples informed him, we have seen the Lord with our own eyes. Still unconvinced, Thomas replied, there's no way I'm going to believe this unless I personally see the wounds and the nails in his hands and I touch with my fingers and I put my hand into his wounds and to his side where he was pierced. Then eight days later, Thomas and all the others were in a house together and even though the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them. And he said, peace to you. And then Thomas, then looking into Thomas's eyes, he said, put your finger here in the wounds of my hands. Here, put your hand into the wounds of my side and see for yourself. And Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. Then these words spilled out of his heart. You're my Lord and you're my God. I want to ask you this question this morning. Do you believe? Are you a believer today that he is alive? Amen. Do you believe he's alive and working in your life? Yes. This morning, in the presence of God, we could reach out and touch him, did you? When his presence is near, are we wanting to touch him? Are we want, is there this desire to be with him? Now, this is not my message today, but I thought this morning, do I just want, do I want to touch him? Do I want, do I want to be in his presence? And there's this hunger for me to be in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. The scars of Jesus tell a story of the cross and the pain that he endured. And the things that he had to go through for the sake of the world. And that he took on all of our sins and that he would die for even for a lonely, worthless sinner like myself. that his heart was so big for the broken. His heart was so big for the uh, hurting. He he loved with a passion that we can't even articulate or describe. Uh, There's no way to put into words, and even in the prophecy today, as Mr. Deborah prophesied that he's desiring to open the the door. We cannot articulate or come into the words to say how much he really loves us. I don't have those words. My vocabulary is not that great. There's no words that I can come up with. I could say a bunch of words, but they couldn't describe the love of him because it's unbelievable. It's unimaginable. And to look into my own life and think about how much he loves me is, is, is incredible. And, um, and I've often said this, if I was the Lord, if I was the Lord. I don't know that I could love me knowing the things that I've done the way He loves me. He loves us with this crazy kind of love. I, I even thought about changing, you know, our little slogan for our church is loving, you know, is, is serving God and serving people. I thought about just changing this, just change it to He's crazy in love with you. Because that says it all. Because He's crazy. If you understand how crazy in love. He is with you. It changes everything in your life. And he had these scars in his hands that were telling a story. You see, I have a scar on my shoulder. Most of you have never seen it. But it's an injury that happened to me when I was working offshore. Uh, an accident. And I won't go into all the details of that. But uh, uh, it was a, I could have died in that accident. It was, it was a terrible situation, and uh, they dropped this big mooring line on top of me, and my shoulder was disconnected, and I was 120 miles offshore, and it was painful. For a couple of days, I, I carried a lot of pain, and it's a funny story. It, not so funny now, but uh, I, I we were like two days away from a safety award on that rig, and so uh, they asked me, like, hey, can you just stay two more days and then we'll act like the accident happened then and everybody'll get their bonuses and their safety awards and all the dudes will get their rubber boots, you know. And me being the servant that I am said yes. But on the second day, I was like, oh I'm in so much pain. If y'all don't get me off this rig, I'm gonna own it. And uh and and so we <laughs> And so they, they flew me home and and uh I had surgery and they, they, they shaved off this bone and they they, you know, they did all this work in my shoulder, and today I have a little scar there. And, the, and I don't really have any lack of mobility. Um, I don't have any great, there's no great effects from this. But there's a story behind the scar. There's a story that I don't have time to tell all the day, the details of the story, but the scar has no pain in it, but it represents a story. I remember another story that I have. This is a funny story. That when I was a little boy, uh, I was playing army with my cousin, and I'd ar- I was already shot and I was dead, and I was laying on the ground. And uh, I was laying there with my eyes closed, dead. You know, when you're dead, you close your eyes. And he was up in the tree. And when he got shot, he dropped his gun. His gun happened to be an aluminum bat that hit me smack in the mouth. <laughs> I woke up from the dead <laughs> right then, <laughs> come forth, and inside my lip, they put a bunch of stitches. I don't remember how many, but there was a bunch of stitches inside my lip, and there's still a scar deep inside my lip from that wound. I don't feel the pain of that scar I Don't even think about it. Matter of fact, I hadn't thought about it in years until I started preparing this message, and I started laughing about that. And I I started thinking about how how we have stories. We have scars that have stories. And Jesus had some scars that told a story of his love. And there's a story behind uh, the scars that are in our life. and, And the scars remain after the surgery, after all you go through. But the hurt goes away. The hurt goes away. Our scars tell a story of our lives and some... Come from major, unbelievable, life changing things that happen, but most of the scars in our life come from ordinary day-to-day detours and roadblocks of our life. They come from the ordinary pain of living and having and living our lives and and some come out of ignorant or just bad decisions. We make bad decisions, we make ignorant decisions, unlearned decisions, and sometimes those decisions leave scars in our lives. Some things happen to us that we have no control over. Maybe it happened in our childhood. Maybe things happened to us along the way of life that we had no control over, but it left a scar in our life. And some of our scars of our lives are not physical, but they're emotional. And behind every scar, there is a story, and the story can be the story of defeat and destruction or it could be the story of victory and redemption. You see, we get to choose how that story ends, oftentimes. We get to choose whether this is going to be a story of defeat and destruction, or is this going to be a story of redemption and victory. You see, how how I live my life determines a lot about how my future is going to turn out. How I choose determines how I'm going to live tomorrow. And we don't have to be ashamed of the scars in our life, for there are stories of the power of God in our lives. Every one of us in this place today, if I lined you up today... Every one of us would have a story of a situation of a hurt or a pain or a situation, whether it be emotional, physical, or, or whatever it might be, that we can tell about some scars in our lives, some things that happen. And, and, and it's, it's, it's so different when we understand that, that we have a choice in the matter. You know, we live in a world where there's a lot of... Uh, entitlement, and, and um, we, 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 we have a lot of people just, I'm going to say it like this. Can I, can I just get it real? We just have a lot of whiny babies. You know, just a lot of whiny babies. You know, oh, poor, pitiful me, life is bad. Listen, you're, you're determining your future with that because you're not believing who God created you to be. When you decide who God created you to be and you determine in your life that you're going to live that out, it changes how you look at your past. Anybody with me this morning? But if you're always looking at the wound and carrying the wound and leaving the wound open, it will never heal. And the wound will never be a scar of redemption. It will always be a wound of pain. We make the choice of how we're going to live. And it's better to be a scarred child of God and to be living in hope than to be living in hopelessness and shame of sin. I'd rather be I have a scar and know that God has healed me, with an open wound to the past and the hurts and will destroy our future. But when we look at the story of the cross, we know that the blood of Jesus can heal every wound in our life. And it may leave a scar, but it tells a story of redemption. In 1 Peter two twenty four, he said, He himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flows from his wounding. Amen. You, don't have to be he- you don't have to be wounded because he was wounded. You don't have to carry an open wound because he was already taking it all for you. And we just have to come to the place that we're dead in our sin. And and, and I'm going to just help you out with this. You know what dead in your sin means? Just be dead in your sin. You need to just get up every day and say, I'm a dead man. I'm dead in my sin. I'm dead to the past. I'm dead to yesterday. And I'm living for the goodness of God for tomorrow. I'm not going to live in my past wounds. I'm not going to open those wounds up. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to declare those things over my life. I'm going to let his wound heal my wound so that I may have a scar, but it's a, it's a mark of redemption in my life. In Matthew 11, he said, Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. Are you weary this morning? Are you carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life. For I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, easy to please. And you'll find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Come to the oasis this morning. Come to the place of rest this morning. Come and lay your life down before him and say, Lord, I'm going to allow you in my life to heal the wounds of my life. I'm going to to open my heart and I'm going to let the cross, the finished work of Calvary work in my life. And this open wound, this hurting place is going to be a scar of redemption, but it's going to be a story of the past and hope for the future. He wants to heal us not just our body, but our soul and our emotion and those places of pain that come from hurts and disappointments in life and mistakes that we've made. Now, there's nobody in this place today. I don't need to say that everybody's been disappointed. Raise your hand because I know you've all been disappointed. Maybe I should say this. If you've never been disappointed, raise your hand. And if you raise your hand, I'm going to give you the mic because you need to be the one preaching I'm going to say, if you've never made a mistake in this place this morning, and then God bless you, you're amazing. But as for most of us, there's been disappointments in our lives. And there's been mistakes made and there's been situations in our life that we would say, I have some regrets over those things. But when we give them to God, we we leave our regrets at the altar. We leave our pain at the altar and we come out of that place of pain and we say, Lord, I'm looking to my future and to my hope and to the future of what you have for me. He brings peace and rest, and I love Isaiah out of the message, and I don't have this on the screen, but it's Isaiah 40 out of the message. It says, he energizes those who get tired. How many are tired this morning? Come on, if you're tired this morning, raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand if you're tired. Come on, you're just tired. I'm not talking about you worked hard this week. I'm talking about you're just tired. Life is hard. Do you ever get that place where life is just hard? You know, okay, I'm the only one. You just get tired. Look, I, I talk to people sometime, and I say, they say, man, pastor, I'm tired. I've told people before, I'm tired. And then you say, well, what are you tired of? I don't know. I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm just tired. What is it? It's the weight of the world. It, it, it's, the, it's, it's just the everyday life. It's the things that we're walking through and we're tired. We're mentally tired. We're emotionally tired. We're physically tired. Come on, somebody. There are times in our life that we're just worn out from from the weariness of life. Last week, last week I don't know Kenyon used in the room somewhere. Last week Kenyon and and Matt and some come help me. Paul Paul come help me. And we were we were trying to get in some subsurface drainage in my house and and look, you want to find out how old you are? Get a shovel and a pickaxe, and there will be a there, you will revelation will come. I told my wife I was laying in bed, I said, the muscles on the top of my feet are hurting. I didn't even know I had muscles on top of my feet. My back's hurting, my knees are hurting, my elbows are hurting, my pinky finger was hurting. Everything was hurting. I was loving me some Advil, come on, in the name of Jesus and Advil. But but you know what the revelation was is there's there's times in life that we are we're in we're, we're just in the we're in that part of our life and and, and we're carrying things and we're and life is hurting and it's heavy. Are you with me this morning? He said he energizes those who get tired. He gives fresh strength to the dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. For young folks in their prime stumble and fall. They're talking about us, those young folks. But those who wait upon God get fresh yes. strength. Hallelujah. Those who wait upon the Lord. How many, how many ever paused in those moments where you were saying, oh, I'm tired. Oh, wait a minute, I'm going to give you some cure right now. When you're going through that time in your life, oh, I'm tired. You need to stop and wait on the Lord. Yes. I don't have time to wait on the Lord. You don't have time not to wait on the Lord. Oh, you didn't get that. Well, I, I got too much to do to wait on the Lord. No, you got too much to do not to wait on the Lord. I got too much. T- I got too much going on to pray. No, you got too much going on not to pray. Oh, I got too much going on in my life to fast. I, I got to work and I got this to go. And I gotta go to do this, and if I'm, fa- I can't. I can't fast during all this time. I got too much. You got too much going on not to fast, because the word says these things come of not but by Prayer and fasting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nobody's listening to me when I got on fasting. It just went, sh- <laughs> <laughs> We don't believe in that now, Pastor. We're going to feast and believe. Sometimes you've got to fast and pray. Yeah. You've got to wait on the Lord. You've got to come to Him. He's going to refresh you. And we think of prayer and we think of fasting as work. And really it's not. If you make prayer and fasting work, you're not going to pray and fast. You already got enough work. But if you if you make prayer and fasting presence-driven, wanting more of Him, you'll want to pray and fast. Uh, anybody in this place this morning? You'll desire His presence. You'll desire that refreshing. You'll desire that strength that comes from the Lord. And then he says, "They spare their wings and they soar. Like, they spread their wings. I'm sorry, and they they soar like eagles and they run and they don't get tired and they walk and they don't get behind." Now I'm gonna preach a little message right here before I let you go today. I don't believe we get burned out because we're we're working too hard. I believe we get burned out because we're not waiting enough. Oh, pastor, I'm burnt out. That's because you hadn't spent enough time with God. Oh pastor, I can't do anymore. I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out with God. I'm burnt out with church. I'm burnt out with marriage. I'm burnt out with kids. I'm burnt out with everything in my life. You need to stop and wait on the Lord. I don't think you're gonna burn out when you're burning with. And I've never found people that was after the presence of God burn out. I found people that are carnal, won't pray, trying to operate their life out of their own strength. Burn out. I wasn't going to preach that, but that's good right there. I'm glad I threw that in today. You need to burn with, not burn out. And when you get time to wait on Him and you get in His presence, He's going to give you strength like an eagle. You're going to fly. You're going to soar. You're going to run, and you're not going to grow weary. You're going to walk, and you're not going to faint. When you're, when you're waiting on Him, somebody say pause. We just need to pause sometimes. Man, if I just, how many's ever, I don't, this ain't my message, but this is good. How, how many's ever just went to bed tired and you woke up just as tired? <laughs> Come on, anybody ever done that? How many do that regular? <laughs> you go to bed, like if I just had more sleep, I'd feel better. No, you won't. Because, see, what's not resting in you, sleep can't heal. Now, I'm not against sleep. I'm not saying don't sleep. You need to sleep. I'm just simply saying what you're missing won't come from sleep. As a matter of fact, when I walked through my deepest hour of my life in depression, I slept more than I ever slept in my life. I woke up still depressed. You're not going to find that just by going on a vacation. Man, if I could just have a vacation. Man, you go, you go on a vacation, you come back, and you're tired from vacation. And again, I'm not, I'm not going on vacation when you're feeling good, not when you're feeling bad. Enjoy vacation. I'm not against vacation. Matter of fact, I'm about ready for one. But I I want to tell you, all of those things in life, sleep and vacation, will not give you rest like waiting upon him. When you get in his presence and you just wait upon him and you learn to lean into him, he's going to give you rest and he's going to give you strength like an eagle and you're going to run. And you won't burn out. Anyway, let me finish my message. So we don't let scars define us. The only tell a story of past victories. Jesus has already done the work for our healing, and we simply have to believe. Put our trust in Him. Put our, how many has heard that sermon preached all your life? Put your trust in God. Put our trust in Him. What does it mean to put our trust in Him? What does it mean to put... i tell you what it means to really put your trust in Him is when you take your hands off of the things that you cannot accomplish and say, here it is, God. It's a place of surrender. Many of us spend a lifetime trying to fix what is broken in their lives. And when we get to the place that I think I'm good enough for God, then I will serve Him. Right now, I just don't think God's going to honor me, love me, take care of me. And I was preparing this, and I thought, I went back, because I had put all those I's in there, and small, and I need to capitalize them, and I, I went back, and I went, oh, wow, when I get to the place that I think I'm good enough for God, I will serve Him. I thought, there's the problem right there, in one sentence, I, 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 I'm going to fix it, I'm going to get better, I'm going to do this, I'm going to overcome, i Let me just help you out. This is a real powerful statement I'm about to make. The I in you is the problem. We need to get our eyes off of the I in us and get our eyes on the I am. And let Him work in our lives. We use too many eyes and not enough him. Yes. Worship team, you can come. My history is simply taken care of by the blood of Jesus. And when I visit my past apart from the blood of Jesus, I visit a lie. Did you hear me this morning? My history is simply that. It's history because of the blood. And when I visit my past, or you visit your past, apart from the blood of Jesus, you visit a lie. You start believing everything that the devil will ever tell you about what you've done wrong, and that wound will be opened up again. And that place of brokenness will be remembered from a place you don't need to remember it from. But when you remember the past, knowing that the blood of Jesus has already worked in your life, you will only see the scars of redemption. The scars that tell the story of the goodness of God. As Michelle was talking this morning, I was thinking about the pain that she and Tim went through to have children. But those are scars of the past because of the blood of Jesus. They've been redeemed. And now she's pulling her hair out because she's got them. You see, he makes all things new, he, he, he heals the broken parts of your life if you let him. But if you hold on to those places in your life, your scar will never be a story of His greatness. You see, our past has no part of our present or our future other than to testify of the greatness of God. So my my scar has become the story of His goodness and His good pleasure in my life. I want to know what Jesus says about me and then I want to live that out. I don't really care what people say about me. But I'm interested in knowing what Jesus says about me. Because whatever he says about me, that's who I am. And when I know who I am, there's nothing that can stop me. Nothing. There's no mountain too high, no valley too low, no river too wide, no situation too great, no problem that will come in my life. And listen, I may wake up tomorrow with problems that I didn't know that I was going to have to face. I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. But I know this. That it doesn't matter what shows up in my life tomorrow because I know who I am. And because I know who I am, I'm going to overcome anything that comes against me. So I look at the scars of my past and I, I look at those days and I say, Well, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I, I see that scar and I remember those days. I remember how much you loved me, how much you cared about me, how much you. St- I mean, I, I tried to run from God and he showed up everywhere I was going. Loving me. Loving me. <laughs> I'd try to go to the bars and hide from God. And he'd show up in the bar. He'd send a little messenger. Some, Somebody show up. Oh, I remember you from church. <laughs> oh, shut up. You can run, but you can't hide. Right. See, because God's going to find you. Right. Because his love is so great for you. His, his, his love is so great for you. That no matter what happens in your life. He's going to be there. David said it like this. He said, when I make my bed in hell, he's there. He's there. And the cross and the resurrection and the power of God in your life redeems it all. You're powerful. You're powerful. I want you to look at your neighbor today and tell him, say, You're powerful. No, you didn't say that. You just kind of said, You're powerful. I want you to look at him and say, You are powerful. Yes. You're powerful. The enemy wants you to believe everything but that. But you're powerful. Well, how do I know I'm powerful? Well listen, I'm a child of the most high God. I'm a child of the King. I got his seal. I got his promise. I want to help somebody today. This this, this thought just come to my mind. I want to share it before I finish today. I went to a funeral a few years ago with all my relatives. A lot of you may not know this, but some most of you know that in my past I was, you know, I was drug, drug head and hippie and messed up little dude. But um, went to this funeral just a few years ago, and I sat at the table and um, sat with my cousins, and they're all in ministry and this one and that one, and most of them are in church. And, and when I left there, I kind of chuckled. Because after 30-plus years of ministry, not a single one of them asked me how the church was, how my family was, how's, how many souls are you winning, how, you know, none of those questions about the kingdom came up. But they all reminded me of when I was a punk head and a drug addict and all the stuff. and I thought, man, I'm sitting among people that are children of the Lord and they're reminding me of my past. That's all they can talk about. I'm glad I'm redeemed because I walked out of there laughing think, well, I'm glad I know who I am or that would have been a bad... Amen. That would have been a bad visit. Right? You see, the enemy's always trying to bring up your past. And this simple little cliche that we've heard in church, we sometimes forget. When the enemy's bringing up your past, pause for a minute and bring up his future. Because you know who you are. It doesn't really matter what the past was. What really matters is what the future is. And my future is great. I carry a few scars from the past that others might want to bring up. But those scars are reminding me that God has been so good to me. Are you with me this morning? Let your scars be a story of the greatness of God. Can we stand this morning? I want our prayer team to go.